0: Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts, a unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode
1: makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts. Today, it is my pleasure to have as my guest, Marty McNabb. Marty is the founder of Show & Tales. Marty is a legacy artist who creates heirloom visual narratives from her clients' photo, document, and memorabilia collections. In other words, she tells stories with other people's stuff. She's also an interactive story-sharing facilitator who helps people build deeper connections, community, and legacy by curating highly interactive public exhibitions, and hosting gatherings about the things that matter, which, by the way, is the name of her podcast, and which I had the pleasure of being her first guest on, um, probably well over a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> so with so with that, Marty, uh, welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm glad I'm I'm able to reciprocate and have you on my podcast now.
0: Oh yes, and thank you for starting us all all starting this whole thing. Honestly, I'd been asked to like probably you have too to do a podcast for a while. And so I ended up being encouraged probably for four years to do a podcast, but you know, it life it gets busy, complicated. Um, but you, you reached out to me when I was hosting a Things That Matter or AKA a show and tales for the Global Grief Conference. And you had said, darn it you're you're you were offering a workshop at the same exact time i was and i said well i would love to have you be my first guest i'd never done it but you motivated me to do it and it what a wonderful way to kick off my podcast So thank you very much yeah and that
1: you're welcome and that was a memorable discussion we had anyway marty um yes in terms of um basically the object that I had used to cre- create a continued bond with my daughter, daughter's memory, her her essence. And, you know, that was quite a memorable experience for me to share. And I was glad that we were able to do that together.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. It was perfect because as we've spoken, of, we'd spoken about before, often people think that, the object has to be uh, an heirloom or it has to be something so precious or so, you know, fancy or whatever. And you started me off the best way, my, my podcast, you started off uh, so well by bringing uh, the air freshener fan mm-hmm. for your vehicle and, and telling me the story of your beautiful daughter. So I'm grateful.
1: Well, for our our viewers, there's the air fan. <laughs> Probably less than two dollars, and this uh, brings me back to a precious memory that I had with my with my daughter Janine. That uh, it was like it was occurring in real time. That's how vivid it was. A small object like a car fan just had contained so many memories and so many connections. And I think that's that's for anybody. I mean, it could be the smallest. It could be the biggest of objects. It's the memories that are attached to that that connect us to our loved ones.
0: I always say that it's not that things matter. It's that the stories that get attached to them that do. And that was a big one. And you also showed a lip balm thing that was empty. That was Mary Kay. That was Mm -hmm. about your mom and her story about that. So, and I learned so much from you. I knew nothing about linking objects. Um, until, I mean, that day when you yep. shared that information.
1: And that that's what you'd been doing anyway. I mean, you'd be, taking, you'd be taking individual stuff, as you so described it in your bio, and just having individuals talk about the, the memories that were connected to that stuff. Uh, Dennis Glass called them linking objects, which is a more formal term for those objects that allow us to create a, a meaningful bond with our transitioned loved ones. Um but it's linking objects stuff. It's the same.
0: Yeah. It's the same? Yep. Absolutely. That's what I've found. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then and that's what I have found too. It's it's um it's the power that's attached to those objects, not how we describe them. So mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So folks. That's great. Well, I have questions for you. Um, if you're, if you're, if you're ready for
0: them. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> all right.
1: Here we go. So Marty, first of all, please tell our listeners about the experiences that have influenced your current life path or life choices.
0: Yeah. So, well, I'm okay. going to focus on one particular thing as opposed to the, the big question. Just, um, I, I've had people ask, how did I come up with show and tales as the story sharing gatherings that I started over a decade ago. So I've hosted over 200 of them. I'd say the first six years were in person, mostly in New York City, but then I did pop-ups in other other places. And then of course, like all of us during the pandemic, when I met you, Dave, um, every, everything went online. So I did them through Zoom. And so people ask why I started. Well, the first reason was more than likely your guests have never heard of a legacy artist. <laughs> so more than likely they've never heard of somebody who goes through people's photo document and memorabilia archives and creates a visual narrative from it. That, that I'm basically somebody's private curator or the curator of their their quote unquote museum. But of course, you can't have everything in that museum. That would be overwhelming. So I do a lot of the curating and picking and choosing. I don't necessarily hear the story from my client, but I, I sense it from the objects themselves. And then I curate it. And then my clients use it as a way to remember things and reconnect and build those deeper connections. But um, so, but there's not, there weren't a lot of us back in the day, so to speak, uh, over maybe 25 years ago. And so I needed a way to market my work and get the word out. And of course, I knew it was word of mouth. It was developed. You had to have a, a sense of connection and intimacy because these are such precious um memories and and souvenirs of our life story. And so often they're stuck in a box or in a suitcase or a storage unit or an attic or a basement. And then there's a lot of shame about that as well, that they've not done anything with this. So I knew it was word of mouth and I had to establish an intimacy and connection. And so what better way than inviting them to an event to bring their objects and their photos and tell their stories? as a way to connect with me. So first it was a marketing reason for me to come up with a creative way to market that feels good and does good at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and secondly, what I realized Dave is I am not a confident or comfortable storyteller in the written word. I am, I can easily share my story. Uh, on audio, video, in a setting like this. But I'm not someone who, if you end up posing to me, what's your best childhood memory? Or what's your this, like those story prompts? And what I realized, I'm not like that because my parents weren't. So I didn't come from a family of natural storytellers, either verbally or in writing. So I ended up realizing that that's why I started this show and tell for adults, so to speak, or realistically, my goal is that it's intergenerational that we build. I'm right now at a Thompson Senior Center, um, bringing it to seniors, but hoping to also have children and grandchildren involved as well. But those are the reasons when you say, how did how am I here? Like a lot of people ask that because I I imagine like a lot of your listeners We've uh, taken different paths. There's been many detours in our lives. And uh, I was a high school biology teacher in New York City Public School. I had a background in plant and soil science. I was thinking about being a farmer. Uh, You know, it's like I've done and people are like, how did you get from science? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to to memories. And but I have a feeling that you had that you have that same experience with your your background as well, Dave. So they are connected.
1: Yeah, I think anything that's science, non-science related, based in spiritual practices or all holistic practices can all be integrated given the right set of circumstances. And the other thing you're right, you're the first legacy artist I've had on the Teaching Journeys podcast. <laughs> You're very rare uh, in terms of what you do and how you do it. But the other thing that I like about what you do is it accounts for the fact that not everybody are auditory learners. Not everybody are, are, um, you know can learn through the written word. There are individuals that are more visual and visual learners. I, The artists, students that I work with at Pratt uh, Munson School of Art in Utica, New York, they're visual learners so that's how they respond that's how they can conceptualize their stories that's how they can conceptualize understanding of concepts so we have to cater to that and we have to realize that individuals will grieve through a variety of different mechanisms and what you do is a very creative way to to grieve it falls right in there with poetry with our uh with music it all fits
0: yeah yeah i i and as I, we've spoken over the last year and a half that we've known each other, two years, I didn't, I didn't purposely connect with the death care or end of life or last responder community or grief community. I didn't do it on purpose. I just started hosting these events and invited people to bring objects and tell stories and so it naturally led to people bringing in objects from people who had died and oh as a way that they could tell that story and relive and remember that memory and and do it in front of other people who didn't more than likely know this person but that sharing was so uh cathartic so therapeutic to be able to talk about those people in within with strangers actually ended up providing that space and so i'm just so grateful for the fact that i started hosting these events um and it's led me in it's it's directly led me into the death care the end of life the grief uh community and connected ultimately connected me with you so yeah
1: yeah, the people that have come into my life, um, you know, there's—it's no coincidence. These are individuals that I was destined to meet along the path, and you know, every everybody I've I've met has has given me what I've needed at that particular moment. Um, have given me a voice for my grief, and and for you and everybody else who has been in my life and has 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 given me that voice, I appreciate that tremendously. So. And um, I have gratitude every day for, you know, what, you know, what the challenges of dealing with my daughter's transition has brought me. Um, so. Yes. But anyway, I, on your website, I found this mission statement about show and tell. So I want to read this to you and I have a question attached to it. Sure. But, to create a warm and welcoming environment for people to share the stories of their photos and things. Sharing out loud with others, bearing witness keeps memories alive, passes along a piece of personal history, impacts someone else's life and enables participants to reconnect to their own forgotten stories and history. So the question I have for you is that how do photos and other things that individuals share effectively shape our life narrative and give substance to our personal histories?
0: Wow. Well, that's quite a deep question. Um, and as I mentioned, Dade, so much of creation of and tales was happenstance. It wasn't on purpose. So I didn't know what I was building. Um, One of the things I've I've learned in my work with, in activism and in um, just my own uh, life journey is that it's important not to say that you're creating a safe space um, because that's not in your, my ability to do all I can. And that's why I said, I create a warm and welcoming space. So that's the the responsibility that i I take in in holding this space. But in terms of how it it shapes the narrative, how how you can i what I've noticed, like I said, I've posted over two hundred of them. And what I've noticed is, however, Oftentimes there's been more of a traumatic, as a matter of fact, in this space last week, someone ended up sharing, bringing in a pair of uh, shoes, children's shoes. Um, And we asked her for the story. And of course there were kind of lighter, like more light type of stories that had been shared before And she's like, I don't mean to bring anybody down. You know, like, I don't mean to change this. But she proceeded to tell us the story of that those were her daughter's shoes when she was three years old and she drowned. And what I found in those difficult situations, the harder stories to tell is that in each one, by being able to um, kind of t- have some distance from it, like see it from the outside a bit, and, and it actually is physically, that's another thing I'm seeing, Dave, is that people holding on to something, that it's actually a physical
1: yeah.
0: I never thought of props as holding you up, but I've seen it over and over again at my events where people holding the the objects themselves or looking at the, holding the photo and looking at it. I do offer people to share stuff that's digital, that's on their phone and things like that. I do offer that. But there's something. I can't describe it, but it's something like there's something magical. Right? It's like the story gets weaved in or pounded in or, or because it's been touched by, it's been worn by this person. And I, I can't say in every, t- every point, but I've gotten testimonials from people who have said just the sharing of the story in front of strangers. They wouldn't have told it to people that weren't strangers. That just the telling of it in front of people was um, that that helped them create um, some peace, find peace, even if it was just momentary. So, so I don't know if that answered the question about, but I, do, I don't know what the magic is per se. And I love what you say. Some people are not like, they, they're not written. They can't share their their stories in writing, but it pours out of them, like literally pours out of them the minute they're holding on to something and they, and and it's propping them up.
1: Yeah, I know for me, um, my daughter left behind a collection of Tiggers and I have this big floppy Tigger in my room and whenever I want to really feel close to Janine, I'll go and hug Tigger because there was a lot of tigger in my daughter and whenever i'm and whenever i'm hugging tigger i'm hugging my daughter and a lot of times i just need that that hug from tigger because spiritually symbolically however you choose to conceptualize it i see that as being a hug from my daughter from beyond and so for me having the ability to grasp a, a physical object that was intimately associated with her legacy with her personality also keeps me closer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's so funny that you say that, Dave, Dave, because um one of the participants in this um series that I'm doing here at the Thompson Senior Center, um, he brought his um Barry um and a 50 year old uh teddy bear, but it it in ta- talking about it, he of course it the the his story of his time with his parents and his family and all of that came back but because this teddy bear had has been with him has traveled this this road this life path with him all these years so um yeah so something about something about that
1: so without giving away any personal information or personal identity what has been the most memorable photo or object um that has been shared with you And why do you do you see that as being the most memorable?
0: Well, that's always sort of like what's your, you know, who's your favorite child? Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, when I get that question asked of me, I say, all of you. I don't play favorites.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, So realistically, it is a very difficult question to answer. But the one that comes to mind the most is, so because I started Show & Tales in New York City, uh, a couple of things became clear to me. One is, is that Show & Tell from elementary school is not uh, not, uh, offered, it's not a thing that a lot of other countries, uh, schools in other countries offer. So it is not a universal experience. So I kind of, I knew it wasn't maybe, but I didn't know that it wasn't um, in a lot of places. Um, the other thing I learned is that a lot of people, when they moved to New York City, they could not move with their things for some reason or another. So their things were actually back in their country. So what I've said is, yes, a digital uh, you can offer something digitally, you can't to show it can be a representative object, is another thing. So, this one woman who I've never seen, I never saw before then or after this one event came to Branded Saloon in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, where Show and Tales was born. I say it's the birthplace of Show and Tales. My friend owns it, and i in the back room, and I went just A week ago and hosted a couple of events there too. But she came. She was the one who I was thinking about holding a prop. You know, she was, you could tell getting up in front of people. I mean, that's why we did show and tell from elementary school is to get people used to public speaking, to get children used to public speaking, right? So it's like what it's Toastmasters for elementary, the elementary state is the show and tell. But I don't think she'd experienced it when she was growing up. And she, um, but she had an egg carton with her, empty. And she proceeded to talk about her experience in Russia. Her mom was a single mom, had to work two jobs. So on the weekends, her mom would drop her off at her parents' house. So her grandfather and grandmother. And every weekend her grandfather would make her an egg, would cook her an egg every every weekend. That was he didn't she said he didn't really speak a lot. They didn't talk a lot, but he would make this egg for her. And a couple of things is both families were pretty poor and and eggs were rare and expensive. And, and precious, but so was the granddaughter. She hmm. was precious as well. So this, this egg carton told that story, you know, an empty egg carton and something that a lot of us take for granted, being able to have eggs whenever we want, longer, your... you know. But that egg carton told that, that story of a grandfather's love. So that was, that stood out.
1: Thank you for sharing that. That uh, that that is that would be memorable in, in in my in my book as well too. Just because of the, of the background, um, you know, the fact that uh, this was not just inherent to the United States. We're talking about you know another country as well too. So that that would tell me that linking objects or stuff it cuts cuts across the cultural divide and gives us one point where we can universally meet in agreement absolutely so from your experience what have you observed the impact that either uh, show and tales has had on helping an individual work through their their grief um you know through the basic objects that they share or just in general, what do you see as being the impact of on an individual's grief through just through objects they share in general, and do you believe it helps individuals transform their relationships with their loved ones?
0: So, again, big questions, <laughs> Dave. I,
1: questions. That, that's why they pay me the big bucks.
0: <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um so I can't I don't think that I'm able to comment on does it transform their relationship with their loved one? Um uh, that's that's a little beyond quote unquote my my pay grade. Um and and I also haven't gotten a specific testimonial with that um from somebody has said that what I have witnessed as I mentioned before was the I have had people reach out to me and leave a message a voice message just saying I wanted to reach out and thank you for helping me not feel so alone during the pandemic um that uh you know, she, and she was somebody who just came to one event, didn't come back to another one, but it was enough to make her feel less alone.
1: Mm-hmm. So right.
0: I know that. I know I've had people who've said, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. that it, um, just having people, so the biggest thing that I say in my work is that both my story sharers and my story listeners are being vulnerable and generous it's it's everyone in the room not just the story sharer and that's why i do call it story sharing and not storytelling because storytelling is more performative and there's the building of the fourth wall for me, with my events, the whole point is to to bring down those walls and to make deeper connections so so i i I would say that, in terms of i I do think that it does transform their it it helps them with their grief, mainly because holding on to the story and, and not sharing it, not, not having, because what I experienced, and I know many people who are listening to your show probably have experienced is that at a certain point after, after death or a loss, um, you um, your closest circle uh, starts, you know, um, which is, it was called pandemic exhaustion or something like you just they don't know what more to say they've heard the stories before they're just they get exhausted from it i get and i can get it from both sides but um but being able to provide a place where people can share this story to strangers in a new way in a different way and interestingly enough i was telling another friend who does another program um, that's around humor. And it's like, it's funny now. Like it wasn't funny then, but it's funny now. Um, was that same experience of having, t- sharing the story, giving them that perspective on their life, that they're, a perspective, a little distance from it, that they often, when they start, but when they often... S- finish the story it has it, it there's a lightness to it there's a there's even a little humor to it there's a little, little light it lightens up as they continue as as we hold space for them to share more of the story um and that's i have seen that several times not all the time mm-hmm. but i've seen that more often than not is that there's like a lightness as the story comes
1: out of them. Well, you know, one of the things that I think you do well, and this is just, I think, from what I saw with our interview, is that I think to hold space for somebody's story, we have to establish ourselves as active listeners. We have to be present for that story, let the story unfold the way it's going to unfold, and then just share our observations or, or validate um, you know what you've heard and validate the the uniqueness and special the special qualities that their their deceased loved one had, and I think that in and of itself is going to draw more people, and they're going to come back. They're going to want to share more because if I had a nickel for every individual I've ever sat with who has been going through grief to say, you know, I just wanted to tell my story to somebody, but there was nobody who wanted to listen. It seemed like I was imposing upon them. I would probably be a very rich man right now. That all we really need to do, I think, for your listeners and for our listeners, just bear witness, hold space. Just be present for that individual's story. Let it unfold. Let them share whatever objects they want to share that allow them to connect to their memory and move through their grief. And actually, we begin I think to move through our grief by remembering our loved ones and holding them close to our hearts as opposed to for putting our grief in a a little box, burying it after a predetermined amount of time and moving on with our lives because there's no moving on, there's moving through. There's no no closure. Just because the physical body has died doesn't mean the relationship dies as well. That relationship is ongoing. Absolutely.
0: Without a doubt. Yes, totally agree.
1: Do you see any situation where storytelling isn't transformative, isn't a transformative experience for some people? Um, and if so, what do you think they contribute to that?
0: Well, I, needless to say, my my events are open to the public. Generally speaking, I mean, I do get hired by individual. Organizations and those aren't, but most of my events have been open to the public. And they, so they are generally speaking, if they feel so inspired to share, it usually does end up like I'm not saying again that they transform, like they've they they go through their entire grief or they make a huge uh shift in it necessarily, but um just a little bit of um, a little bit more ease or peace or uh, less anxiety about sharing, you know, like there's just a, a breath, they take a breath in it. So I feel like people who come to my events, they're volunteering. And so they, if it, some of them will not share, they come and listen Um, and, uh, A few people, though, as I'm wrapping up when I'm in person um, and online, too, but I'll see that they're they're like touching their bag or they're touching something in their pocket or something. And, And, you know, when we're kind of wrapping up and I'm like, is there anyone else that would like to share? Eventually, they end up pulling that thing out of their pocket or out of their bag or something like most of them there's plenty that don't. And I think, you know, that's, that's fine too. Like I said, I want to, I value the listeners. We get so few opportunities, um, you know, and that's what I learned in looking out at the world and what was offered during the pandemic. There was lots of education. So there was somebody that was, you know, giving you information, you know, resources. There was a lot of that, that was offered. Um, but I, I'm a believer that we we don't need more information; we need more connections.
1: I agree, and you know, one of the things as you were talking about inviting individuals who are willing to who are willing to share their stories with you, the thing that kind of crossed my mind is that once st- stories aren't transformative because stories are, are never told and there are so many stories that go untold for whatever reason a person may not feel that their story is is valid enough is uh significant enough or they may not think their story may help somebody but you know the bottom line is that we can never judge the value of anybody's life the value of anybody's story we it, it, you know so i tell individuals tell her, tell your story because yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna help somebody. Somebody you may not even have imagined it's gonna help. It's gonna help somebody, but don't let your stories go silent with within. And I'm glad that you provide that um, that space for individuals to, to to share. Share. That's a valuable service. And um, I'm I'm a firm advocate for what you do. And I I tell everybody about. Marty's in the in your area. Go check out one of her. Uh, one of her events uh, you'll definitely leave inspired so yeah. we are we are getting close to wrapping up so i'm going to ask you this yep one last question just in terms of how people can contact you about your services Yeah, where can they find you and what events or projects do you have going on currently and talk about what you got going on for 2024 um, yes so Go yeah. for it. This is your opportunity to promote what you with the valuable services that you do and how people can find you.
0: All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate this opportunity. So um, you can find me at show and tails. So that's T-A-L-E-S. Uh, not like a dog tail or a ponytail or <laughs> so showandtails.com and you can um, follow me on Instagram at show and tails and that has to be spelled out even though my brand is with an ampersand um, the you, where you can follow me has to be on um, with without the ampersand so show and tales. and then in terms of projects so most of the work that I'm doing now, most of my focus now, as I mentioned, I'm at a senior living community right now, a senior living center in Vermont. My, my big push for 2024 is going to be to get my series, my Things That Matter series. It's a six-week program or an eight-week program. The eight-week program has a exhibition as part of it. And the whole idea is that we have people thinking about their life based on 30 things so you know those 30 thing on those 30 day challenges so I invite people to look around their home their office their bodies like bags and your earrings and your glasses all everything can have your 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 sweatshirt there Dave has a story my t-shirt has a story Um, So look around your space and figure out what 30 things would do the best job in sharing your story. So that anybody can do. They can come to my website. They can uh, get that information, this, this little playlist or things. But for senior living communities, I'm inviting them to do that. And then I'm inviting them to pick a few items that get up in an exhibition with the idea that we don't put names attached to the objects at that point. We invite the community to interact with the exhibit for a while and ask questions and be curious about whose wooden spoon is that? Whose a wolf sweatshirt is that? Who's whatever, like what, what is this? And who are these people again to continue to encourage connections, deeper connections, community And talk about legacy because that's another part of my work is what do you do with these things or what do you want to do with these things that mean so much? First thing is definitely tell your family about the stories of them. They won't know why you keep that little turtle up on your windowsill. So unless you tell them, why is it so important to you? So they may keep it because of the story, right? But if it's just the turtle on the, on the windowsill and there's no story attached they're gonna they're not gonna know why it's so important so please tell your stories to your listeners tell your stories and then um and then what happens when you die like will your children or grandchildren or historical societies museums they would want some of them would want things too because what are museums and historical societies, but great big show and tales after all. So that's how you, that's what I'm up to and traveling between New Mexico and Vermont and everywhere in between. So I'd love to have you catch me along my route and bring me bring me to your city or, or, or area. And I hope to get up to um, to you uh, Dave at some point maybe we can talk about doing an event together up there.
1: That would be that would be fun. Yeah. That would that would be fun. So yeah, let's uh, let's have that conversation when we after we get past the holidays and everything. So of- <laughs> But with that Marty it was just so great having you on the podcast today and um just- Thanks for taking some time out of what I know is a busy schedule to spend some time with me and and our listeners. I know they will benefit greatly uh, from your wisdom and and your experiences. So thank you again.
0: Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate this opportunity.
1: And you're welcome. And with that, that is a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts wishing you peace.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating review or both.